Well, good morning, LCM. Today is March 10th, 2019. Uh, we want to take a look back this morning. We want to catch up just a little bit this year. Today is the 20th sermon of 2019. 20th sermon of 2019. That's not 20 teachings. That's the 20th sermon here. Pastor, this number doesn't include the powerful meetings that we've been having every Monday night for foundations. That's true. It also doesn't include the nine classes and 45 hours of teaching for Acts 1. Also for Acts 2, another nine classes and 45 hours of teaching. It doesn't mention the count, uh, count, countless Bible studies at coffee shops, auto shops, in your homes, wherever you may be at the workplace. This is a uh, pretty active church, and, but this is the 20th sermon here that we've had for 2019 here in this building. Illustrating the way that we teach our sermons, that 18 out of the 20 sermons have been team taught. Yeah, I need my brother. 90%. My brother needs me. Amen. <laughs> in January, we started the Band of Survivors. Did y'all enjoy that? Yeah. It was a band of survivors that then turned into a band of brothers, turned into a band of bondsmen, turned into a band of the restored. Do y'all remember Medic? Medic! Exactly. And lastly, turning into a band of victors. Amen. Then we embarked on a master ship builder series. We talked about craftsmanship, that Noah was not a craftsman when he started building the ark, but he sure was by the time he finished it. That is our goal. We talked about fellowship, the great sale of fellowship, where we are asking the Holy Spirit to fill our fellowship and move us in the right way. We talked about leadership, uh, a whole armada, an armed armada of leadership with pastorship that included guardianship and relationship. We talked about eldership that was sponsorship and partnership. We talked about apostleship that was governorship and back around to craftsmanship. Last week, we talked about the battleship of our faith, which is discipleship, which is really another way to say sonship. This is an incredible time that we've had here this year already, that the Lord is really laying out things for us that are foundational, that as we're grabbing hold of this, this is not just series. These are not just sermons that we're supposed to hear then forget about it and move on to the next one. Sometimes the problem with our church is we have a lot of really, really well-crafted meals that are presented to you. Yeah. Man, it's, 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 it's the top of the line. When you hear Pastor Matt or Pastor Eric or last week with Justin Treister or this Wednesday night with, with Judah and Gabriel on Sons Don't Lose, man, you can think back on anything and it should pick up your spirits. We have a lot of beautiful gourmet meals that are made for us. But the idea is that we're revisiting these in a way that causes our actions to change and allows us to grow in Christ. Amen. In between these five course meals of messages, we've also had a plethora, a buffet of wisdom and revelation from the heavens. Like sons don't lose, like forceful eyes, like black and white. Y'all remember that one? Like being like your father. These messages have thoroughly blessed us. And we got to pay attention to what God is speaking to us. If you just look at the titles alone, you can begin to see the encouragement and the correction and the rebuke and the training and righteousness that God is trying to give us through his word. That's good. Today's sermon is entitled Guard It. Everybody say guard it. Guard it. This is going to be Shamar in action. Turn with us to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to begin at the beginning. Good place to start. We're going to start in the law that's supposed to incline our hearts to set our hearts right today. Genesis 2, 15. Come on, say there when you're there. 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 Yeah, you can't be tired already. Pretend like there was not an hour of sleep that you lost. 
How many of you always promise that you're going to go to bed an hour earlier that night and end up going to bed later? Doesn't happen. Yeah, that's, that's us. It's all right. We're all the same place here. Genesis 2.15 says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it. Come on, somebody say work it. Work it. Mm-hmm. You better work it and take care of it. This idea of working it and taking care of it. The word for take care of it is the word shamar. S-H-A-M-A-R. This is Hebrew number 8104 correlated to the Strong's number. Shamar means to watch, to keep, to preserve, to guard, to be careful and watch over something. When the word of God says here that Adam was put in there in the garden to work it and take care of it, the word for take care of it is shamar. He was designed to guard it, to watch over it, to watch after it and what God had put there. Let's reread Genesis 2 verse 15. The Lord God took the man. Pause right there. This word implicates a possession. It's equal to that of when, whenever we are born again. Come on, whenever you were born again, did Jesus take possession of you? Yes, absolutely. Did he become your Lord? Yes. Well, then we move forward in this verse, and we're also going to watch how we move forward progressing in the kingdom. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. You know, once there is lordship that Jesus has over your life, he's going to place you somewhere. He's going to guide you. He's going to direct exactly where you need to be. First and foremost, that's where you're to be pastor. That's where you're to receive discipleship. The house that he's going to plant your feet in. Then he's going to direct how you're to, be, to begin to build your own household. It, it elicits an understanding that there is a direction and a purpose that God has for your life. Not just the state of being born again, but born again for something. Amen. What that then leads to is to work it. We have work to do. Come on, do you have work to do? Absolutely. As long as you got breath in your lungs, it may be good, it may be bad breath, but you got breath in your lungs, you got work to do for the kingdom of God. But it, it's all aimed at something, right? So we just have the first three of God taking possession of us, placing us somewhere, and giving us work to do. The last step is to take care of it. This is the word shamar. So let's reread this verse with the definitions that we've given so far for the word shamar. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch it, to keep it, to preserve it, to watch over it, to watch carefully over it, to be on one's guard or just simply guard it. Say it with me, saints. Guard it. We're going to say this over and over. In fact, when we turn to our next scripture, here's what I want you to do, church. I want you to say guard it. Let's practice right now. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 3. Verse 24. Yeah, live this morning, Pastor. This is the idea of Shamar that's going to continue. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, if you've been here for any time, we've talked on this verse before. You've heard incredible sermons about this single verse right here. But the Lord has given a purpose to work and to shamar what he has put in our hands. To guard that which he has entrusted to us. But even here in this situation, the very first thing we see in Genesis 2, the man is given a purpose to guard, to shamar, and to work the ground that God gave. But here he's already sinned. He's already fallen. The man. Everybody say the man. The man. He's already failed. He sinned. 
He's driven from that place. And then God begins to shamar right here. It's not just something that God told us to do. You're supposed to guard. You're supposed to protect. You're supposed to watch out for. Immediately, as soon as man sins, what happens? He's separated from God because of that sin. But then God sends his representative to do what? What does the end of this verse say on your screen? To guard the way to the tree of life. I can't tell you how many times as a child I thought that this was somebody standing there in front of the gates back to the garden. One angel in my mind, cherubim is plural, so it has to be multiple ones. But in my mind, I saw a single angel standing there like with a, uh, a flashing sign like it would be a rail, a railroad crossing. Don't come here. Don't do this. You can't come back to this. That is not at all what the idea of Shamar is. He's actually guarding the way so that you can return to the tree of life. Come on, I want to return, Pastor. Come on, isn't that a much better way when you understand that God is guarding the way? He sent his representatives to guard it, that you can find the way back. Amen. That's something that is so different than saying you can't come back. Let's hide this from them. From the very beginning, God is saying, I'm going to guard this and I'm going to show you how to guard something. Come on. That you might protect the way back to what? To the tree of life. That God's intention, even in this separation here because of sin, was that they might be guarded so that they can come back to life. Let me ask you the question. Let's take it out of Genesis for just a second. Let's take it to today. March 10th, 2019. Let's take it right now. What do you need to be guarded back? What is the Lord guarding for you that you might return to the way of life in your own existence? In your own day-to-day walk? What do you need to return to that he has clearly called you to? But your own decisions, your own sin, your own failure has separated you from that. But God is saying, I, I am guarding the way. It is a flashing sword. It is a sword of his word that is on fire for you. Come on. To guide you back, to lead you back because he is guarding the way. What in your life do you need to have that you need to return to the tree of life today? This is the concept that we're talking about. That God appoints guardians. With a flaming double-edged sword to guard the way back to this incredible tree of life. Pastor, I want to return back to that tree of life. Me too. But it means that my heart and my mind have to pass through that flaming sword. Or rather, the flaming sword has to pass through my mind and my heart. Yeah, amen. Come on, isn't it hope? Isn't it encouragement that the entire time that man has been fallen, there has been a way back to that tree of life? But it just requires for your heart to be cut by his word. Amen. Let's go to Genesis 18, and we'll start in verse 18. There you go. <clears throat> Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him, to keep the word keep right here is shamar it is to guard it you gotta guard it to keep the way of the lord by doing what is right and just so that the lord will bring about for abraham what he has promised him god chose abraham so that he would direct his family he would command his family and his household after him for the sole purpose to guard to shamar the way that god had already shown him Husbands, it is your duty before God, not only to guard how you're walking on that way, but how you are to guard your entire household following that way. 
It lies on our shoulders first and foremost. That if the if Satan and if sin can take down the head of a household, the rest of that household is going to stumble and if not fall. But if the head of that household begins to take responsibility to guard, to shamar the very way of life that God is showing him through his word, the entire household will flourish just as it did underneath the hand of Abraham. It's almost as if in the garden God was affecting one life. Mm-hmm. And here God is making a precedent to guard one family. Yeah, He's not only affecting one life and one family, he's showing that the guarding principle of shamar is, should be available in each and every life. And in each and every family. Yeah. I would imagine it would also be for the nation as well. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 19. We're going to look at verse 5. Somebody say guard it. Guard it. Exodus 19 and verse 5 says this. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Come on, don't you want to have the Lord say that to you? He's clearly speaking to the nation of Israel here. Now, if you obey me fully, if you shma, if you listen and listen again, there it's said, it's stated twice here in the original. If you shma, shma with all that you have and you shamar my covenant. Come on, we're going to learn Hebrew yet as a church. We're going to just learn it like one little baby word at a time, right? (laughs) If you shamar my covenant, if you guard it, if you keep it, If you listen with the intent to obey, and then you continually do and walk this out, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Amen. Although the whole earth is mine. I love that he, that the Lord included this. He was like, don't you think that they don't all belong to me anyway? Yeah. They're all going to be belonging to me, but you're special among them. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to Israelites. Do you see what's required of this nation of priests that God is building? They have to listen. Boy, they have to have the, not just hearing it with their ears, but with the intent in their heart to obey every word that comes forth. To Shema, Shema, with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their strength. That is the beginning step. And what a powerful step that is. I am proud of you as your pastor of this church. Amen. I think we have a group of people who for the most part are trying to shema. They're trying to hear and obey what the Lord says. But do you see that in this passage, it's not just to listen and obey. It's then to guard. Amen. You have to both listen and obey and then learn how to guard what He has given you. Amen. No one in this room would disagree with the fact of what we're telling you thus far. Yes, pastor, we will guard it. Yes. Okay, y'all keep saying the same. Yes, we'll guard it, pastor. But do you understand that this is what's required to, to receive the promise that God has to be that treasured possession? Amen. You have to guard it. You have to protect it. You have to keep the covenant that God has given you. This is not a single act of obedience. That's a good this point. is not just listening to a sermon one time and being like, got it. That was awesome. If I polled you today, could you remember the word that Judah gave in prophecy today? If I asked you, could you remember... Could you give me the main point? Could you give me three or four points of what he said in a prophecy today, just moments ago? You heard it. See, I know you wanted to obey it. I know that you heard it and immediately went, yes, I will do what the Lord says. 
Yes, that's good. The Lord is going to zero in and help us to refine us that we might do what He's called us to do. All the superfluous, the extra, the junk, the rubble, it's going to get pushed away that we might have a laser-like focus. Did you remember that that was what it was about? Oh, yeah. There's a few yeses in the room. Do you see what I'm saying, though? We hear, but it's different to hear and to learn how to guard what He has said. Come on. What we're, this is what we're getting at. He wants us to guard what he's got. Why? So that we can get back to the tree of life. So that we can direct and command our children and shamar our own families. So that we can work and shamar and, and, and guard what God has put before us. Come on. This is an important principle, guys. This is not just something we found in a book somewhere. This is not something that we decided three months ago that we were going to preach to you today on March 10th. This is a word that has been impacting your pastors this week. I went back and reviewed words that have been given to me just in the last three months. Just since New Year's Eve. Can I tell you that one of them, it brought me to tears because one of them said that I am responsible to protect and guard the sheep. It was literally a word about this. And to be perfectly honest with you, I forgot and I didn't make the connection until I went back and reviewed it. God spoke to me about this. He was speaking to Pastor Matt about this this week. And we're looking at it going, this is an entirely different process to have to guard something than just to hear and obey. Yeah. One indicates I will respond quickly, Lord. The other indicates I've got to be so serious about this that it shows up in everything. Pastor, in addition to that, this morning while we were studying, I reached into my, my Bible case. I pull out a three by five index card that my wife had written on it to give me a word for my birthday in January. And on it were scriptures and the Hebrew word Shamar, but scriptures that related to Shamar. See, what we're doing today is we're not just preaching at you. Yeah. We're not just doing something to fill time to make us all feel better. What we're doing is we're trying to hear from the Lord and obey and teach us all how to guard what he's given us. Amen. What he's given you is precious. Yeah. Husbands, you should take your wife by the hand right now. If she's sitting next to you and not serving in the back, you should, you should take her by the hand. And you should understand that God has given her to you that you might protect and shamar. The rest of you, if you are here and you're a single person developing a life that's worthy to have somebody be added to, grab a hold of your Bible that's in your hand. That should be something that is precious to you. If you are fighting for family members, then you should understand that this is precious. And what God is doing is causing us to guard it. We had leadership where we were talking about an armed armada. Last week we had the battleship of discipleship. We had forceful eyes. And we had sons don't lose in the last four messages. Amen. Do, do you see what God is doing? He's saying there's clearly a battle at hand and he wants to prepare us now that we might be victorious. Amen. And I don't just mean kind of victorious. I mean overwhelmingly, crushingly, dominatingly victorious in what he has for you. Amen. You know how you do that? You start guarding today. Amen. You repent of the areas where you are not yet guarding and you begin to guard like a guard dog. Come on. Like, I mean, with something with some veracity to you. Something that is tenacious in what God has called you to do. You think that Ezekiel being a watchman on the wall was a light-hearted thing? He was a sentinel. He was someone who would stand guard and watch. He was demanding that of the people. You are to be a watchman. 
If you don't cry out when you see something wrong, then their blood is on your head. Yeah. Come on, what is you to guard today? What has he already given you? What did he tell you to work this and guard this? See, what we're doing today, we're not trying, <laughs> we're trying to share with you what the Lord is doing in us. You must guard this. Yeah. You can't be asleep while guarding. You can't be distracted while guarding. You're no longer a guard. You're someone manning a post. You have shifted from Shamar to something else that is not that. Yeah. As I began to think of the things in my own life where the Lord has spoken, and are they crystal clear in my thinking? I wonder, we're not going to do this, so you can relax on that part for just a second. I wonder if I asked you some of the main verses of what the Lord has spoken to this body of believers this year. Could you remember them right now? Of course, some in the room could. Could you remember where they're found? Could you remember their impact? Then how are we saying that we can guard if we don't remember the things he's just recently spoken to us? Do you think he spoke it to us and he was done with it that day? Not at all. Turn with us to Isaiah 37. We're going to help jog your memory that we might rightly guard what God has given us. This will be a sign for you, O Hezekiah. This year you will eat what grows by itself, and the second year what springs from that. But in the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Once more, a remnant of the house of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. In reading this, it should remind you of the very things that were spoken at New Year's. The words that God was given, not to the pastors, that he was given to us, the church. That he was speaking to us about a year of prosperity. That we would have been planting our roots below, and now we too are to expect the fruit that's to rise above. First and foremost, that prosperity looks like souls. That we were going to see souls added to the number of this body. In addition to that, we were going to see marriages added to the to this body. And what we just got through celebrating right before we started this, the sermon, that he was going to add children to this body. Come on, it, we're not even past the first quarter of this year. And we already see the year of the Lord's favor taking uh, uh, root and bearing fruit above. Yeah. You know what that should do, though? That should make us tighten our grip on the word that God has already spoken to us. When we see evidence so soon of him fulfilling his promises and his word, it should make us want to guard those souls. It should make us want to guard marriages, guard our children, guard the resources that God is providing for us. It's an imperative for us to guard it. Hey man, what does that guarding look like in our lives? Let's take a look at Numbers chapter 1. Numbers chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 53. If we could do this in the NASB, that would be fantastic. For all of our NASB friends in the room, you're welcome, Rick. It says this in verse 53, But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, so that there will be no wrath on the congregations of the sons of Israel. So the Levites shall 
keep charge. They shall shamar. They shall guard and protect the tabernacle of the testimony. Thus the sons of Israel did according to all which the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. The physical layout of the camp was such that right around the very place where God's presence dwelt was God's chosen ones, the Levites, even within the nation of chosen ones. Those who most represented God were right there around the tabernacle. The physical layout of the camp of God's people was designed to show this concept of Shamar. The men of God were to surround the tabernacle of testimony, the ark. Why? So they can Shamar it. Yeah. So they can make it apart. How does that look for us? What is at the actual center of your life? It's so interesting to us. We've, we've been here long enough that it, I forget sometimes that people think in ways of, well, where's my job? I want to be close to my job. Well, where's the best part of town, the place that I'd like to live? Well, then I want to live there. We're a group of people that says the surrounding, what you should surround as the center part of your life is God's presence. Come on. That's Never good. should you make a decision Amen. about a job that's based on how much money or where it is, but rather where the presence of God is showing you to be. Amen. I would rather make nothing and be in God's presence than make have all the riches in the world and never shamar what he's actually given me. That's a good word. Well, it's, it's one thing when we're talking about just listening to obey. It's another thing when we start talking about guarding it. Yeah. Let, let's just make this practical. Let's, just for a minute. What, what about, um, we, have, we have so many sermons that we have here. We're all sharing our one note, our notes with each other. Hey, do you have a note on that, Rick? Can, can, you, can you give me access to your one note so I can read this? Man, taking, a, a, taking notes in a notebook, in a one note, however you collect your notes for this, man, that's a good thing. It shows an intent to obey. Do you ever review the messages? Are they getting down in you or do you just be like, yeah, I know that something was said at some point in the past about a topic, something like this. Now, what we're trying to ask, what we are demanding of you today is that you get these things down in the center of your being. That when you have a word that God shares with you, you surround it. You put everything that you have around that as the central focus. Taking one note is good. Having it at the center so that you can shamar what God is saying to you is better. Come on, we have to guard it. Say, we have to guard it. We have to guard Pastor, I thought, though, that in... The message version of Psalm 119.11, it says, I hide your word in my one note <laughs> so that I might not sin against you, right? Yeah. Well, the message version may actually say that, but I, that's I'm, not right. So. I'm guessing out there. But we're all guilty of this, that whether it be a three by five index card that someone has blessed us with or taking notes in a sermon or fa- our foundations, we log it into a digital reference that then we just let it reside there rather than the center of our being. And we are trusting that our phone or laptop will work whenever we are facing the gates of hell. The only container that God has designed for His Word to dwell in is you. That's it. Wow. It's much like there are Abigail and the ball carts. Come on, raise your hands if you have been through marriage counseling here. Uh, That's two-thirds of the room. It is good as you go through these these, uh, lessons in marriage counseling to complete what's been put in front of you. So many of us, me included, 
We've gone through it and it's like, all right, I did marriage counseling. Now I will have no further problems in my marriage. I've gone through it. I know I have knowledge of uh, my Nabal traits and also the Abigail traits of my beautiful redheaded bride. But sometimes and most of the time, though that's good, it's not what's best. Come on, we have to in our marriages get that deep revelation from God about our true state, our Nabal state. The fleshly traits. We have to get that true revelation from God about the spirit and the godly traits that he's put within our spouse and ourselves. We have to guard that information. What does that look like? Daily using it. Daily cutting your own heart. Daily affirming your wife or affirming your husband. When you do these things daily, you are proving to the Lord that you are faithful to guard that good deposit that he's given you. Man, that is a good word. He's preaching better than y'all are responding right now. Let, let me say it a different way. Just in response, I'm listening. I'm getting blessed by Pastor Matt. How many sermons could you preach if you didn't have your OneNote ready? Mm. Do you feel comfortable to preach because you got a notebook? Feel comfortable to preach because you got a, a stack of cards somewhere of sermons you've already done? Or is it getting down in you? That's what we're going for. When you start getting it down in you, where you trust that what you're studying every day is in fact from the heavens, that you can be moved at any moment and God will speak to you and speak through you out of the abundance of things that you placed in there. Now you're starting to shamar. Yeah. Yeah. You know what you do with the one note? You know what you do with your PC study Bible? You keep going back to it so that you might realign yourself Amen. to exactly what he told you. Amen. In the battle, when you get spun around sideways and you're a little bit off and you're calling out the wrong year to start a sermon off with, you, you need that sometimes to help realign you, but it's supposed to be getting down in you. You have a mezuzah statement. It's not supposed to be something that's on a placard somewhere in your home, but it's something that you reference every day. Do you know what I do every single day? I, look, I think about my mezuzah statement to see if today was a successful day or not. That's the measure of my successful day. Because if I left it to how I feel, I don't have very many good days. I have a whole lot of conflict. I have a whole lot of correction. I have a whole lot of things. And you know what? I go, Lord, did I equip and empower your people to do their work today? If I did that today was a fantastic day. What about you? How much is your mezuzah driving your daily interactions? This is something that we're trying to get down in us, guys. The body of Christ here at LCM, God is telling us, this is how that you advance in the kingdom. You want to be an elite member of this church? You want to be in the special forces of what God has? Then do what you're learning to do and do it every day. Amen. There is no preferential treatment here. Well, that's not true. Preferential treatment comes from those who are doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. There's not an elitism. It is not our fault if you're not doing it. We're saying, you want to know how to get in the, in the secret in club? Which, there's no such thing. But if there were, you want to know how to get in it here? Do what you're supposed to do and do it every day. Guard it. Practice it. Yeah. You gotta guard it. You gotta just do it again. Amen. This is simple for us to say to you. You're all nodding very, very kindly to us. We're trying to move this from nodding of what we're saying to putting this into practice. Guys, the reason that we became pastors, you think we waited till we got a title and then started acting like a pastor? Not at all. 
We began to put everything, we tried to put everything that we're learning into practice. I presume that if the word of God tells me something, it's because I'm not doing it right. I'm going to go turn and do it right this second. And I will begin to make it every second thereafter. When I fail, I quickly run to the Lord. Lord, I messed that up. I know you told me. You have taught me better than that. I repent. Help me now that I might shamar this better. Help me now that I might guard this better. This is what changes it from a group where there are where we've got some who are doing well, the difference between those who are excelling in the kingdom in this church, I don't mean abroad, I mean here, I mean you. The difference is those who put into practice the word of God repetitively, daily, excel. Those who do not put the word of God into practice and guard it daily do not excel. Pastor, that's too simple. No, it's not. It's difficult to carry this out. This is what we have here. Uh, go ahead. No, pastor's on the right track. It's simple, but it's difficult. It's not easy. We have to overcome our flesh. One of the tools that we've equipped you with are stones. Who's got stones in the house? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. What we have done is built a culture where we are putting into practice, we are guarding the very thing that we see in God's word. And that is, I hide your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. We have had you guys write scriptures down that are concurrent. They're relative to what you are battling and struggling with today. And you're to write them on three by five index cards. You're to keep them in at you on your side at all times. But does it do you any good to just keep them in your pocket? Ray, I've watched your life be transformed by making stones and taking them out of your pocket and putting them in front of your face every single day. I've watched the transformational power in so many of you sitting in this room because you have taken out those stones and you have guarded God's word and its application to your thoughts, emotions, and everything else in between. God's word transforms us. But if we don't put forth the effort to do what's difficult, and that is to use his word constantly with every single thought, then we're going to fail to guard what God has given us. When we guard it, there's transformational life. Amen. You've got to get it out of your pocket, get it in front of your face. You've got to get it from the front of your face to the center of your life. Amen. That's what Numbers 1 teaches us. Turn with us to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Start in verse 39. Say, guard it when you're there. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven, heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands, which I am giving you today, so that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. This word keep, for keep his decrees and commands, this is Shamar. Saints, we have a responsibility to guard it, and that being guarding the Word of God. But look what comes right after. It says, keep His decrees and commands, which I am giving you when? Today. Today. Back to Pastor's point. Right now, what you are hearing, right now what you're writing down in your notebooks, which you may even be putting in your, your OneNote, are you going to put forth the effort to guard it, 
for next week, for next month? Will you remember it two or three years from now? Are you letting it go? Are you going to let it impact the way that you live? Are you going to let it cut and even circumcise your heart and transform the way that you carry out his commands? You know, in addition to the things that God tells you, the overwhelming thing that he tells you is to guard it. In Joshua chapter one and verse eight, you don't even need to turn there. You know, this passage, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. The be careful there is the word shamar. That you are careful to guard it. It's a carefulness, yes. But don't you think about it different if I'm saying, be careful. Let me just be dainty about this. No, it's the idea of being, of taking such care of it that you will take care of it, that you will guard it. Not just that, that you'll, uh, worry about getting a scratch on your Bible, but that you will so guard what it is teaching you that it moves you. This is what gives you success. Then you will be prosperous. Amen. Meditating on it day and night. Letting it always be in your mouth, on your lips. Guarding it is what gives you prosperity and success. There's a huge difference here. There's a difference between those who are fulfilling this verse and are not. We want everyone. We want every man and woman in this room to be able to fulfill this verse. We want you to have prosperity and success. But that comes as you guard God's word in your life. Proverbs 7, 1 through 2 says this, My son, keep or shamar, guard my words and store my commands within you. Keep, shamar or guard my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Wow. You're hearing this over and over again from us because this is what God is speaking to us. That we are to store up these commands as a treasure. We're to keep them in the very center of our eye, what we are watching, what we are guarding at all times. And so we make the same imploring to you as well. Amen. Turn with us to Psalm 121. Man, what a great picture. The apple of your eye, the pupil of your eye. How well do you guard that? (laughs) Very. God has put mechanisms in there where you don't even have to understand. There are, there are automated responses that try to protect your eye, even if your brain is too slow to catch up. There's something that's moving already just instinctively to try to guard that, that precious part of our eye. That's what we're supposed to be doing for his word. It's supposed to be that precious to you. Look at Psalm 121. We're going to read the entire chapter to you. All eight verses. Man, you, you, you can go home and check off the box that said you read a chapter of the Bible today. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Psalm 121. This is a song of ascent. We often just kind of skip over the titles in these chapters, don't we? These are the ones giving, given as part of the psalm. It is a song of ascent that we're supposed to focus on God's high and lofty characteristics. It's not just ascending naturally up to the city of Jerusalem. It's ascending in our thoughts. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? Boy, speaking to those who've been through the marriage counseling, you know that this is the word easer here. My easer comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Boy, we look at, when we look at the word help, we think of someone who is a, a helper on a job. You're the boss and you have a helper who runs around and does whatever you tell them to do. In this case, the helper is God who made creation. 
So in this case, it's definitely not someone who's lower. It's someone who's actually higher, causing you to be elevated, causing you to ascend, to be able to fulfill his purposes in you. I know that my easer came from the Lord as a redheaded beauty on a cloud like an angel. Verse 3, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches, that word watches, shamar. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches, again, the word shamar over Israel, will neither slumber nor sleep. How comforting is it to know that you have a God that's on watch 24-7 over your life and everyone else around you. We have a God who is constantly attentive to our needs. Man, that's incredible. Look at verse 5. The Lord shamars over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Man, you should start to feel some encouragement here. That God himself is shamaring over you. He's watching over you. He is guarding you. No amount of adversity. No amount of difficulty. No amount of trauma. No amount of disappointment is beyond his ability to guard you and make sure that you get back to the tree of life. There's nothing that can stop you from getting right with the Lord. Day or night. Good or bad. Encouraged or discouraged. Win or lose. Rich or poor. Sickness or in health. <laughs> Till death do us part. Get it, Pastor. Yes. Do you understand that why those things start sounding like a marriage proposal? Because it's the same relationship. When, when we're talking here and we're seeing that the Lord is guarding us, it's supposed to be like a husband who guards his family. A husband who guards his wife. This is what the Lord is showing this entire psalm. How many have we already had? Four or five? of Shamar that we didn't know was there, but we see this over and over and over again. Verse 7, it continues. The Lord will Shamar you from all harm. He will Shamar over your life. The Lord will Shamar over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Come on, this is speaking of every conjugation of this verb. Shamar is a verb. And that He will, I'm sorry, He has guarded you. He is guarding you. And He will guard you. He's got it all covered because he is the ultimate guardian. He's the ultimate pastor. He's the ultimate shepherd and he's the ultimate overseers of our souls. In my mind, Psalm 121 has always been assigned and associated with the word Ezer. Yeah. After today, in my mind, it's still with Ezer, but I realize that the overwhelming part of Psalm 121 is the word Shamar. Yeah. There's no other word repeated, not even close to this. The next closest word is easier with two times. Yeah. This is, this is in every verse in this, in this psalm. It is about guarding. Man, that's beautiful. But it doesn't just stop in Psalm 121. Turn with us to John 17. John 17 and verse 11. Come on, man. Say guard it when you get there. Hey man, now that most people are there, everybody in the room say, guard it. Guard it. John 17 and verse 11 says this. I will remain in the world no longer. This is Jesus speaking. This is a prayer that Jesus is making. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. This is a cognate for the word Shamar. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. Would you guard them, Lord? Would you guard them, Father? The name that you gave me is we want you to protect them and guard them by your very name so that they may be one as we are one. 
While I was with them, Jesus speaking, I shamarred them and kept them safe by your great name. So, so understand this for a second. Jesus was shamaring his disciples by the great name of his father. He's asking that the father by his own great name will shamar the people that Jesus is now praying for since he is about to leave. Who is Jesus praying for? Not just us, but he is also praying for us. He's saying, Father, would you shamar them? Not just in Psalm 121 where we can talk about it, but here where we can see it. Jesus has shamarred us. He's, the Father is rightly shamaring us. Church, this is the prayer that Jesus has for us today. That we will continue to walk in God's ways. That He Himself will protect us. Not letting the sun harm us by day or the moon by night. There is nothing that can stop us as we walk in Him. Come on, that's good. It makes us want to in turn shamar what he does and what he says for us. Yes. Who loves Jesus in here? Oh, come on. Come on. This verse is for you. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and shamars them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. How do we reciprocate that love back to Jesus because he shamars over us? We shamar, we guard his commands. The very words that God is constantly pouring into you to satisfy your hunger and thirst for righteousness, to crucify your sinful nature. It's allowing you to experience victory day after day after day. It is your job to reciprocate. His goodness, His kindness, with using every ounce of force to guard His commands that He's pouring into you. Amen. Turn with us to Jude. It's a single chapter. Jude, verse 24. Man, get it, Sam. Get it. There you go. Come on. Verse 24 says this. To Him who is able... Come on, somebody say it with me. Say able. Able. To him who is able to keep you from falling. Yeah. Man, isn't that great that his ability to keep us from falling is better than my ability to fall? I am really good at failing at things. I am what you might call a professional. I was a valedictorian, Pastor. (laughs) Valedictorian of failing and falling. But what he is able, he is able to keep you from falling. Amen. To keep you from failing in your calling, to keep you from being overwhelmed, to keep you from being knocked down. He is able to keep you. What excuse do we have today to not move forward in the Lord? Because He is able to keep you. Come on. Come on now. That's something that is amazingly special. He is able to keep you and guard you and protect you, but that's not all. That would be enough. We could just stop and call the altar call right now. Because that thought is enough. Somebody say, that's enough. That's enough. Man, that's enough for us to guard for a long time. But look what he goes on to say. To him who is able to keep you from falling and. Wait, wait, you mean there's more? Yes. There's more that God wants to do in this body? You, You mean the beauty of what we have, which is incredible? He has an and that he wants to give us. Yes, church, he has an and for you today. It's not just enough to go, am I going to fall or am I not going to fall? Well, apparently he can help me where I won't fall. 
Well, that's great. We can just go sit down and relax now. You got to work and shamar this thing. Yes. And to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Amen. Do you hear the marriage language here again? Yes. Do you hear it again that we are in Ephesians 5 that we are supposed to present our brides to ourselves without spot or wrinkle? Without blemish. That is the job of a husband is to take care and pastor his own wife that he might present her to himself flawless. I got one amen in the room. Say it again, Pastor. If you don't like where your wife is, then pastor her better. Amen. Quit getting mad at your wife because she's not enough. Pastor her better. Present her to yourself without spot or wrinkle. Isn't that what Jesus does for us? Yes. Are we able to get there by ourselves? Of course not. He presents us to himself. Husbands are supposed to present their wives, your wife, to yourself without spot or wrinkle. Amen. My God. You got to guard this. Amen. Have you forgotten that? If you've been through marriage counseling, that was two-thirds of the room. You know what that is? That is a recap of something that you learned many, many weeks and many months ago. That is not a new, not a word of that is new. No. But it feels new to me in this moment because some of you have forgotten those things. It's been unguarded. It's easy for you to turn and, and lamb blast your wife, be disappointed in her instead of presenting her to yourself. Yeah. Because that's what he does with us. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling, from falling, and to present you before his glorious presence. He is going to take you and put you in his own presence because he is forming you. You're not going to fall because he is guarding you. My God. To present you before his glorious presence without fault. Spotless. Without wrinkle. Without a blemish. Perfectly tailored and what God has called you to do. He can do that for you. Amen. He is guarding you. And not only will he, he gets an and, you get a second and in this passage. <laughs> and you can have great joy. Amen. There are far too many of us walking around right now. I love you. I'd give my life for you. I try to do that every day for you. Pastor Matt does that every day. Pastor Eric does that every day for you. There are too many of you walking around without the joy of the Lord in your life. Your heads are hanging down. Every difficult day, I can see it when you walk through the door. I can see it on you. He can guard us. He is guarding us, and he will make sure that we don't fall, that we don't fail. See, we're measuring ourselves with the wrong ideas of success. You're forgetting to look at your mezuzah to see if you've done what you're supposed to do today. You forget to look at it in the morning to tell you what you are supposed to do. You forget to look at it in the afternoon to remind you to make sure that you're on track. You forget to look at it in the evening to to make sure that what you did today was actually what God wanted you to do. You're not thinking about your own navel traits and, and, and killing those things daily. You're not building into your spouses what they're supposed to be. See, we know these things, but we're not implementing them in a way. And I feel the unction of the Lord as your pastor to tell you, he's got you. 
Maybe not to all of everybody else, but especially to my wife, especially to my children. Amen. Lord, if you're going to shamar me right and keep me from falling, it means if I shamar right, I can keep my family from failing. Come on. It means that I can put them where they're supposed to be. I can present my own family to me without spot or wrinkle or blemish. I can even have great joy while I'm doing it. Come on. That's wonderful. And if you have the joy of the Lord being your strength, like Nehemiah says, do you need to take a day off? Did you need a month off? Do you need some time to yourself to kind of collect your thoughts? No, because you are advancing the kingdom because you're on guard. You know, as a sentinel that you can't leave this post. You cannot decide that it's just too hard and there doesn't seem to be anything going on. I'm going to take a nap. The Lord never sleeps or slumbers while he's shamaring over us. Amen. Amen. Come on, Psalm 121. This is what the Lord is speaking to this body. There is no neutral state here. He's not going to let you fall. And he expects you to not let those around you to fall. Come on, stand guard today. Somebody say guard it. Guard it. What you're hearing, pastor's heart is a passion that begins in his own home. It's a passion that begins with his own marriage. That he's done an excellent job pastoring and discipling and guarding his wife. He's done an excellent job pastoring and discipling his own children. Many things are said about this church, positive and negative. And one of the things that is said that is negative that I take as a badge of honor, and that is that the word intense. Man, you guys are intense. The way you worship, the way you preach, the way you live. I mean, if there's a scale from zero to 10, you're at 11. Amen. Amen. I can't think of pursuing the kingdom of God any other way. Why should I be a nine? Why should I even be a 10? The reason that we are so intense is because we are trying to guard the good deposit that God has entrusted to us. That is his commands. In addition to that, that is your life, your lives. Let's turn to Matthew 28 and start with verse 18. And let's look at the very uh, great commission that all believers have, but what we're trying to emphasize over and over again this morning. Guard it. There you go. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We've heard this, church. We've heard it again and again and again. That this is what fuels our passion for evangelism. It's what fuels our passion for missions. But it's going to a destination. And that is, we continue, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Usually when I hear this passage quoted, this is where they stop. Is it good that people are born again and rescued from darkness and brought into light? Absolutely. Is it good when they experience that washing of rebirth, that visible signal 
of a relationship with Jesus by being baptized in water. Is it wonderful and exuberating, magnificent, whenever they're filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in the Spirit? But that is not the end goal. Let's pick up. And teaching them to shamar everything I have commanded you. You cannot say that you're making disciples if there's people just get just getting born again and not moving further in this process. You can't say you're making disciples if they're just getting water baptized and then soaking in their seat in teaching and not actually learning to shamar the commands of God. Why do we get up in your grill? Why do we get all up in your business and using God's word to cut and discern the what is holy and what is unholy in your thoughts and in your actions? Because we are fulfilling the great commission every time we do. We are wanting you to replicate what we're doing and as to shamar the commands of God. Look what Ephesians 4 says. If you just put this on the screen, Joy, you guys don't need to turn for time's sake. Ephesians 4 Three says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. These words that we're doing in the New Testament, we're using the word shamar, but what we're doing is we're using in place of the cognate of what the Greek word would actually be. These are all the same words that we found throughout the entirety of God's word. Make every effort. Come on, somebody say every effort. Every effort. Anybody ever been guilty of not giving every effort to something? Yep. You know, the, uh, the T-Rex arms to try to grab the bill. Oh, let me get that. Oh, you beat me to it. Whew. Oh, man, I missed it. It's the lean forward to go get a chair for somebody. Oh, okay. okay you got it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till somebody's done with a task and then you run over to offer to help them. You know that they're on the last of 17 trips. You know. I mean, not that I've ever done that. Hey, we have to make every effort to shamar the unity of the spirit. Today is us making every effort that we might shamar, guard, keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This is not done by passivity. This is not done by being a peacekeeper. This is done by being a peacemaker. A guard, a shamar, is going to make peace. You're going to put things in the right order all the way around. You're going to start with yourself. You're going to work on your family. You're going to go everywhere God tells you to do, and you're going to put things in right order. Amen. Come on. I feel like the Lord is, he's, he's, can you, can you feel that? Can you feel what he's doing in our, in our hearts right now? Absolutely. The light bulbs are coming on and he's trying to tweak things. He's speaking to you and he's going, yep, this, this is not in the right order. This is not, mm, no, that's too tight. No, that's too, let's, let's, let's put these things in the right order that we might make every effort to shamar the unity of the spirit through the bond of putting things in the right order. Come on. That's good. My God, he's helping us today. Church, can you feel it? You should feel it right now. And if you don't, you got a few more minutes to pray to make sure that you can so that you can respond rightly. You better be praying and thinking about this because he's speaking to us today. He will set your life right today. He will keep you from falling today. He will present you to himself glorious and spotless today. Amen. With great joy if you'll let him. Saints, you need to view it every time you receive a correction. If somebody is bringing a word into your life, highlighting what is out of order and equipping you to get it in order, you need to look at him and say, brother, thank you for guarding it. 
Thank you for guarding the commands of God. Thank you for guarding me as a brother, as a sister. I can even say this as a man. Thank you for making me radiant and beautiful. That's right. Revelation 2.26 in the NASB, let me read it to you. He who overcomes and he who shamars my deeds until the end. To him I will give authority over the nations. And we said earlier in Genesis 2 that God put Adam in the garden to work it and to guard it. And here we see those very same two elements. That a promise to the church in the book of Revelation is that they were to shamar the work that God gave them to do. Almost so many times that we look at a task and it's too difficult. We just don't think that we are good enough. We don't have what it takes to complete. So therefore, we begin to just back up a little. Right? You know, you see somebody uh, just backing up enough to where it's within arm's reach, so they feel like they're still guarding it. But you know, if it were precious to them, they would be as close as possible to it. Come on, we have to guard it this morning. First Timothy four fifteen. Everybody turn with us there. First Timothy Chapter 4 and verse 15. It says this. Be diligent in these matters. Come on, somebody look at your neighbor and say, be diligent. Be diligent. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Who is supposed to be able to see your progress? Everybody. Everybody. What a ridiculous thing to think that membership will drive this kind of progress in your life. Membership. You're a member at a church. What does that mean? That means that no one is really going to know. They don't even know who you are. They need you to sign a roster so they'll know that you're there and you belong to them. That means nobody's watching you. Nobody's seeing your progress. Everyone is supposed to be able to see your progress. Do you know why we record every message that we have and we put it online for the world to see? Because you can see our progress. Amen. You should be able to see Matt Piro's progress in worship leading and in preaching. That's a weird thing for us to say, isn't it? It shouldn't be weird because this is exactly what the scripture says. Amen. You should be able to see me progressing in my walk with the Lord. You know what that should encourage you to do? To be diligent and give yourself holy to it that you might progress. Amen. Quit spending so much time to try to... Try to present yourself in a Facebook, social media kind of way where you only present the best of your world. That's a good word. How can someone see your progress if you're only presenting the good stuff? We get, you get to see us up here every day. You get to see our decision-making process live and in action. Yep. If we mess something up, you get to all see it publicly. We do not hide back. We don't want to shy away from that, not one second. Because you can also see that God can even use knuckleheads like us to do something. Amen. It should encourage you to give yourself wholly to this, to give, to be diligent about this. Look at the next verse. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Come on, isn't that the same idea as Shamar here? Are you guarding it? Yes. Are you watching it closely? Are you watching over it? Watch your life and your doctrine closely. What does that mean? That means that's what the one note is for. Go back and check it again. You know, Lord, I'm embarrassed. I can't remember exactly what that word was to me. 
then I need to go back and review it again and again and again and again until it becomes the center part of my life. Yeah. That's what we use these things for. Yeah. Persevere in them. Because if you do, yeah. if you don't fall, if you let him to help you, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Salvation is wrought through you guarding what God is doing in your life rightly. Through you doing it every single day. Not only your own salvation. And believe me, it is working out your own salvation yeah. with fear and trembling. Yeah. It is also working out the salvation of those that you proclaim to be preaching to. What a horrible thing to think that we could preach to someone else and ourselves be disqualified. That's why we're supposed to guard, watch, keep our life and our doctrine closely. Because it's about sonship, folks. It's about discipleship. Man, I can't wait to see that salvation process extend in our lives more and more. I am so happy of the lives that have come in this church and been touched. In In the last two and a half months now. I am not letting down my guard to say that when the Lord said he was going to bring in souls to us. Marriages, souls, children, and the resources that we need. There's a certain building in town, and every time I pass by it, I will literally stop in the middle of a conversation and just start praying about it. It's awkward. It's weird. I just stop. because I look? Got to pray. People are like, oh. Just, hey, God is extending some things to us. I am so glad of the souls he's brought, and I'm expecting more this year. I'm expecting you to bring in souls. Are you guarding that word? Are you thinking about that word and finding people at your workplace and at the store and wherever you are to bring them here? Forget about bringing them here. Bring them to a house. Bring them to your house. Get them saved. Get them spirit-filled. Meetings everywhere. Wherever we do the meeting. Yeah. Let me encourage you. As much as I love uh, Baja's shop, I expect you to replicate what Baja and Nick are doing in their shop where, where half the church will stop by in a week. That is fantastic. Please continue to do that. I'm not rebuking you for it. I'm saying, why don't you create a place that's just like that? Amen. If the Lord can help them, what can he do with you? If you're guarding the word, the Lord will do the same and have the same fruit in your life. God is not a respecter of persons. He will help you. Amen. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13. There you go. What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard. Everybody say guard. Guard Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Doesn't that sound similar to what God spoke to Adam? But there's one additional element that hit me square between my eyes and in my heart. It's what continues in this verse. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know, Adam was in a place where he was given the command and charge to guard what God had given him. And he and Eve failed. He needed help. I need help. Yeah, amen. You need help guarding the good deposit that's been entrusted to you. A responsibility has been put in your hands with God's word and for you to follow it, you to obey it, you to treasure it and watch the byproduct and fruit of it rise out of your life and in other people's lives. 
But you cannot do it in your own strength. I tried. And every time I try in just my own strength, I fail. But we have a promise here. We have a promise that we are able to guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That what God has given us is an equipping of His power to do more than we can do that in and of ourselves. Yeah. We started off uh, today in Genesis 2. I want to end in Genesis 2. Joy, if you'll put up Genesis 2 and verse 18. We started off talking about how God had put man in the garden to work and to guard what God had given him. It's amazing. Right after that passage is done, tells the man that he's free to eat anywhere he'd like, just not in one particular place. And in this idea of guarding, then next comes this one concept. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now we could look at this as a clear illustration of, of marriage. Of course it is. But what we see here is this idea that we need a suitable helper. We need someone to come alongside of us and help us. Joy, can you put up the previous scripture in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 14? I think from Genesis 2, God has been showing us the same picture. I'm giving you something to guard. I'm giving you something that I'm going to entrust. And then I know that you can't do it by yourself. You need the help. You need someone to come alongside of you and help you to do this. Would you stand to your feet with us today? Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. You have received something. You have been entrusted with something from the heavens. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. The goal of today is not that you walk out with your heads hanging down, but that you repent rightly of the things that you have not guarded, that you have not shamarred correctly in your own life. times that you're looking at someone else coveting what they have coveting what what they are and the truth is is the whole time you guard what you have and god will keep you from falling pat god can keep you from falling he will present you to himself church come on now this is the right word for us today this is the kind of thing that we need to have our hearts motivated our our we need to get right with the lord here as we're talking as we're ending this time, that you need to guard what God has entrusted to you and you have to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. You think Acts 2 is about you only speaking in tongues? It is a promise for you, your children, and all who are far off. Why do we go so hard as a church about you being baptized in the Spirit and not just once, somewhere way in the past? Because you need His help today to guard what He's given you. If you are not speaking in tongues constantly, if you're not operating in the gifts of the Spirit constantly, you can't guard what He's given you. Be on guard, church. It's time to guard what He's given you. As we pray right now, you need to respond and make sure that you get these areas, I'm not going to ask you if you have areas that you haven't guarded well. 
that would be an insult to what we just preached. We know that there are areas in your life. You get those right, right now. You get rebaptized in the Holy Spirit right now. You go after Him right now. You think you had enough of Him yesterday? Fantastic. It's today. Get more of Him today. Why? So that you can guard what He's given you. Man, you can obey in an instant, but you can't guard until you've done it for a long, long time. You got to work and you got to guard what He's given you. You can't do either or. This is not an option. This is a both and. Mighty God, we come before you right now. The one who shmars us correctly. The one who always guards us rightly. Help your people now, Lord. Help us now. That we may stop lackadaisical attitudes. That we may stop partial obedience. That we may stop habitual sins. Now, God. Guard us now, God. Lord, may we stand up in our hearts. May we rise up and say, Lord, help us to shamar. Help us to hear you, obey, and guard what you've given us. Forgive us for treating lightly what you have done and what you've given us. Lord, we say right now, Lord, we say, Lord, fix our hearts right now. Help us to guard the, what we have been entrusted with. And help us to guard it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, make your presence known in this place. Mighty God, show up and refill people with the Holy Spirit now, Lord. Give us more of your power, Lord. Give us more of your Spirit. Come on, church, raise up your voices to the Lord. You cry out to Him that He may touch you. Forgive you for where you have not guarded and to begin to guard now what He has given you.